On today's episode of the Keto Camp Podcast, we bring back my friend, Joel Evan, the best-selling author of the brand new book, Ignite. Here we go. Everyone is out hustling and bustling for success and they want all these accolades and they want all these trophies. But none of it matters if you're dead, (laughs) if you're not healthy. And a healthy person has as many wishes as they want. An unhealthy person has only one. That's to be healthy. So what are your values? That's what I would tell people. Inspect that. Look at that. See what that is and see where your priorities are. Because if they're not prioritized on health, how can you get healthy? How can you be committed to that? We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you so much for pressing play today. I had so much fun with Joel. Joel has been on the Keto Camp Podcast before, back on episode 281. And we reshare on today's episode how we met at a conference we both spoke at, the Biohacking Congress, a few years ago in Silicon Valley, California. And uh, it was really cool the way that we met. Wait till you hear that story. But Joel is on a mission. He is a former police officer who's going to share the story, very controversial story, working for the San Francisco Police Department during COVID. And... You know what happened during COVID. A lot of companies, including the police force, made it mandatory to get the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. He calls it the product on today's episode. So we stay away from using the word vaccine, although I just used it right now. So when he says product, he means vaccine. And he didn't want to get it. He felt he was healthy enough to deal with it. And it was a battle where he was actually released from the police department. And now... He's been on the news, Fox News and other news channels all over the world about his story because they let him go and that was not legal. So there's a legal battle taking place right now. He's going to talk about that. He's going to just share his backstory. It's a very interesting story. He's a man of freedom. He's a man of standing up for what you believe is right. And he's a perfect example of how he did that. And he wants to share that story because he gives others permission to do the same with whatever you believe is right in your heart. And it was a blessing, though, because when he left the police department, he moved, him and his family, and he started to focus on health coaching. And even though he was already doing health coaching, he, ha- he now had more bandwidth to focus on health coaching. And it's, he, he's blown up ever since. And he's written a brand new book called Ignite, The Ultimate Guide to Holistic Weight Loss, Feeling Confident in Your Own Body, and Unlocking Your Full Potential. And we talk all about this book. Go get the book. We'll put a link for it down below. He starts the book off with mindset. So we start the conversation off with mindset. Then we make the connection between neurotransmitters, the gut and brain health, and cravings. He's going to share about the Dorito effect, 
Wait till you hear that crazy share. He only works out for 10 to 20 minutes per day and he's super fit and he recommends you do the same. But there's a specific structure for that workout to give you the biggest bang for your buck. He'll talk about that. We'll discuss the importance of opening up downstream detox pathways and a lot of hidden nuggets, hidden gems, golden nuggets, I should say, for achieving optimal health. That is what it's all about. You're going to love Joel. You're going to love the conversation and you're going to love his heart. He also has a podcast called the Joel Evan Podcast, the Joel Evan Show. So subscribe to it. And his website is joelevancoaching.com. Before I bring him on, I want to acknowledge and give a shout out to today's Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Years 95 titled Fasting. So interesting and informative. Thanks. Love the different topics and experts every week. Love that you walked the walk too and changed your life. Thank you. I did. I sure went from pain to purpose, obese to fit. If you don't know my story, 14, 15 years ago, I was obese physically and mentally, overcame that. And I've been in the health space ever since. And yours 95, I appreciate you. I love that you love the different topics. And yes, fasting is a game changer. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating or a review yet on whatever platform you're listening from, please do so today. It makes a world of difference for the show. All of the episodes on the Keto Camp Podcast can be found on our YouTube channel. If you want to watch the video interview with amazing editing, go check that out over at youtube.com slash ketocamp. If you have not checked out my free toxicity quiz to determine your level of toxicity, head over to toxicmiami.com. It's a free online quiz. And at the end of the two-minute quiz, you'll get a score. Low toxicity, moderate toxicity, or high toxicity. Go get it done. We'll put a link for it down below. Toxins are the number one cause of cellular inflammation. And if you don't know how much of a load you're carrying, it's going to be hard to pursue that as an option to getting well. So go take the free quiz over at ToxicMiami.com. Without further ado, here's my friend, Joel Evan. Joel Evan, my brother. Welcome back to the show, dude. So good to be here again, man. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, I love you, man. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, me and Joel have a you know friendship outside of just recording podcasts. And uh, last podcast we did was a few years ago, actually two years ago, almost exactly two years ago. Episode 281, for those who want to listen to that. And a lot has changed and transpired since then. I think it'll be cool for us to just reshare how we first met. We were both speaking at an event called the Biohacking Congress in Silicon Valley, California, uh, right in the thick of COVID 2021. And it was a weird time. And me and Joel, we respect everybody's decision to do whatever they want to do. And with that being said, like it was a weird time because the event was restricted to, I think, about 50 people total, including vendors and speakers. So it was very small. And I didn't know that like flying out there until I got there. And they were requiring people to like test before you would enter and wear masks. And you know, I show up and uh, I see you, Joel. And you know, and we didn't know each other, and we didn't never know how people were going to like respond. Some people are like, "Hey, you know, nice to see you," give you a hug or a handshake. Some people were a little bit more hesitant. But when I saw you, Joel, I'm like, "Let's let's hug it out, my friend." And <laughs> and you were surprised by that, right? Because even though we had the same thought process, and you were all down, you were down for hugging. You were a little bit surprised by that, were you? It might have been the fact that I hadn't hugged. 
anybody <laughs> in a while other than my wife. So maybe that was, uh, you, you have to remember too, you know, you were coming from Florida. I am in, and now having looked back at it two years later, I really was in what I call the Mecca of fear, San Francisco. I mean, it was, and I know this, and I know this because I traveled and I, I, I'm currently talking to you in the state of Idaho, which is another freedom state. And when I went to Idaho in July of 2020, the parks and everything were open. People were living their life normal. And so coming back into San Francisco was like, whoa, we're back into the Mecca of fear. I'm like, how is it that one state over, literally a one hour flight, people are living in, they're not in fear. They're not scared. I mean, why is there such a difference? And so, yeah, when we met, number one is we didn't know each other very well other than, oh, I see you on social media. And then number two, yeah, with all this fear, you know, fear, <laughs> weaponizing fear, I didn't know how everyone was going to react. And you and I just hit it off with that hug and the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome, bro. And we've had a great relationship ever since. And uh, look, a lot has changed. And there's some things that we couldn't speak about on the previous conversation that now we are going to speak about. And let's start there, right? I heard you say recently on an interview that it's ironic because you were working for the San Francisco Police Department as a police officer. And part of that responsibility was working with drug addicts and preventing them from putting needles in their arms, right? And it's ironic because eventually you were kind of forced by the department to put a needle on your arm. And how did that whole tra- that story transpire? Yeah. And because I respect you and love you, I'll be very careful on what I use, what language I use, because I have a podcast too. And uh, I have, I'm on YouTube as well. And the censorship is real. So I will refer to this as a product like we were talking about. So yeah, you know, I was a police officer for almost 15 years. I worked in Oakland, California for six years. If anybody knows anything about Oakland, California, it is top five dead or alive, one of the most dangerous cities per capita per crime. Um, in fact, most people will say five years in Oakland is like 20, a 20 year career somewhere else. Wow. And it's just based on the fact that they have, so, they've always, always since the beginning of time of the police department, they've had low staffing and because of that, you're going to just so the volume of calls you're going to and the violence that you see over and over again, that's how they kind of figure that out. So compared to a regular city, you don't really see that much. You might go to five calls a day in Oakland, you're going to 20 or 30. So that's how that compounds. Um, So I did that for six years. I went to San Francisco thinking the grass would be greener. And uh, in many ways it was uh, in terms of police work. But yeah, I, I had no idea that uh, when the pandemic hit in 2020, well, I'm now I'm in, a, in 2019, I'll just say at the bottom of 10, 2019, right when it first hit, I got sent out. Uh, I was working at the police academy and I was an instructor. I was a full-time instructor, which is a beautiful position. I love to educate and teach, if you know me, and give back to seeing the new people come up from the beginning and, and rise up. And because we had to slow the curve two weeks, right? That's what we were told. So the academy was shut down. So they had to figure out what are we going to do with Joel and all the rest of these police officers doing nothing? Oh, I know. Let's send them to the Tenderloin and put them where everyone is at, all the homeless people and everybody, because the C word, the virus spreads through contagion, through groups, right? That's how it supposedly spreads. But homeless don't know that. Homeless are still congregating. I know. Let's send the police out there to kind of break them up. So here's the funny thing. I always like to tell that story because they didn't give anything about my health. They didn't care. There was no product available. You weren't even having masks back then, guys. And they simply said, get out there, go do your job. And I did. I never missed a day. I came out, I showed up to work and I did what they asked me to do. And then a year and a half of working a lot. I mean, I worked a lot of overtime and did a lot of things. I was then after a year and a half told that if I don't get this product, this is what they wrote in my when they fired me in my paperwork. They said, you are a direct threat, quote, 
to society because you didn't have this product, which just blew my mind because as a police officer, the last thing I'll say as a police officer, when I have to arrest somebody, I have to have what's called a fair probability. You have to have probable cause. You have to have a fair probability that a crime has occurred. And so how do we determine a fair probability? The law doesn't really say, but let's just say it's 51%. Like I have a 51% chance that you committed a crime. Well, guess what? I have to prove that with evidence and victim witness testimony, maybe surveillance. The SFPD and the county, city and county of San Francisco, they didn't prove anything. They called me a direct threat. They never having me evaluated by a doctor. They didn't give me the option to test a mask, not that I would have, but they didn't even give me the option. They simply said, because you don't have this product in your body, you're direct threat to society, which is just mind blowing to even not. And the only reason they had was, well, you didn't get the product. And again, I don't get emotional about this stuff. People get, well, you know, you're killing grandma and all this stuff. Listen, that's not true. And you know, it's not true, guys. Back then, it even said that this thing doesn't stop transmission. And there were studies done in San Francisco. I have the studies. These are like PubMed studies. I'm not making this up. This is, again, this is not emotional. This is data. I have the studies showing that the people that got the product, and you know this too, they had more of a viral load than the people that didn't have it. So this isn't politics and power grab and all things. I, I really don't even know at the end of the day why this all happened. But yeah, that was let go of my job of almost 15 years of service. And it's always okay because like I, you and I know this, we are both being protected and promoted by our higher power in a universal being that I don't even know about. And I'm being guided. So I'm being protected and promoted to do other things in my life. And I just embrace that. Oh, yeah. Well said. Amen to that. And you put in a religion exemption and it got approved. And then about a month later, they revoked it. And then eventually you had to make that decision. Either you get the product and you stay on the police force and you're getting paid about 200K a year, safe, cushy job. You know, you have a family too. It's like most people would have been like, yeah, I can't risk this. I need to get that money. I need to support my family. I've been doing this for 15 years. Maybe I am a threat to my department, whatever you know, negative thought the average person might have had. But you decided not to go down that route. And you wear t-shirts that say faith over fear. And it's exactly what you did and what you, you know, illustrate with your day-to-day. And it was you along with about 70 other police uh, officers who also made a decision, right? Yeah. And, and what you said is really interesting. We had about 300 people that had religious exemptions. There were 150 of us that applied and 300 total that wanted to get one. And as soon as they said, these are out the window, we're not approving any of these, everybody pretty much collapsed. And like you said, they just all just said, well, I guess I got to do this. And, you know, looking back, you can say, hey, in some ways I was empathetic to these people because I say, wow, you know, maybe it was courageous that they actually got the product because they didn't want to, but they did for their family because they had a mortgage, they had kids on the way. And I, I was empathetic to them. But now I, I, I'm looking back, I actually, I don't want to say I'm not empathetic because I still am, but I really wish they had reconsidered and held the line with me. And the only reason is not that it makes you better but what I've seen historically is that fear is contagious, but so is courage. And when people that are courageous bond together, amazing things happen. And we saw it across the country. The people that banded together and said, we are not going to get this product. The government officials backed down because they knew it was a suicide mission to fire that many police. Let's just use the police as an example. To fire that many officers from an organization, they were going to be in complete chaos. And they knew they couldn't do that. And we saw that in, and I know for a fact in places like LA, which is just as liberal as San Francisco, they had 2000 cops and they didn't do that because 2000 of them wanted religious exemptions. And that's over 20% of their force. So that's what the power of sticking together. And that's really what I would just convey to people. Remember that because 
you don't, in the moment, there's a lot of fear building up and you don't know what's going to happen. But man, stick together because amazing things happen. 100%. We have people listening who probably were like pro, you know, the product. They, they might still be or pro the mask. And, you know, like me and Joel, we respect that and we honor that and we love you either way. It's like that's the way it should be. It should be a educated decision that we make and we respect that decision. I have family members who got the product, right? I personally chose not to get it. You did too. You know, I personally chose not to wear the mask because for me, I'm a healthy individual. I have a healthy gut microbiome. That essentially is my mask, my protective barrier. And even here in Florida, and I think I shared this with you, but here in an area that I live called Bay Harbor Islands, the first COVID case was actually in my, my little town here. And it got really restrictive here in August of 2020 to the point where I remember walking my dog, Ziggy, who's laying underneath me shaking because the thunder outside. But I remember walking my dog in my neighborhood, right? Every single person was wearing a mask. And when they would see me walk, they would cross the street to get away from me. Like I'm some sort of like zombie infected. Whatever, that's their decision. You know, It's all good. But the problem was this. Police officers, you know, they were driving around my neighborhood looking for people not wearing a mask, me, and they would stop me. And I got stopped 20 times for walking my dog without a mask by a police officer. And every single time it was the same conversation. Hey, officer, how you doing? And I love the police force. I'm so grateful for that we're protected by them. I have a lot of respect for the police force. So I'm very respective. And they would say, you need to wear a mask to be out here. And I would say, well, actually, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm 30. You know, I was 36 years old. I'm 36 years old. I'm healthy. I'm fine. Nothing's wrong with me. Yeah, but it's not safe. You know, you're gonna, you know, you might hurt, harm somebody else. You might be asymptomatic. And then I would go and I'll say, I have a medical condition and I can't wear the mask. It makes the condition worse. And then they'll, they might say, okay, go on with your day. Or they might say, what's the medical condition? And I would say, well, it's actually illegal to ask somebody that. But you know, I have paperwork. I actually had a note from my doctor that showed it was conditioned. But anyways, I had 20 conversations. And out of those 20 conversations, I was able to go about my day and walk without a mask. I share that because if more people did that, then more people would not be living in fear. More people would have held the line, like you said, and we would have a society where we're not living in fear. Only people who choose to do that, do it, and we respect them for the better. There's a couple of interesting points there that I think we should make too, Ben. What I would say too, for the people that are wearing masks, because there's people that are currently wearing masks today, and I just wonder, based on that logic, the only thing I would always, I never ask people, because I don't want to get in a fight with anybody, but I would always wonder, like, if you're wearing a mask still today, you will most likely, the logic is you will wear a mask for the rest of your life because you're afraid of that a virus will get you. And again, that's fine. I, as long as you're consistent with that logic, I guess that makes sense. To me, it doesn't personally. So that's why I'm not going to do that. But that's an, that's an interesting you know thing. The other thing is, I've just been thinking a lot about this and I interviewed Jennifer Say on my podcast recently and she was the former CMO, Chief Marketing Officer of Levi's, the Levi's Jeans brand. And she was in line to be this, the first ever CEO, woman CEO of the company, but she got fired in the pandemic because she was tweeting that schools should be open. Now she got the product, by the way, but because she tweeted regularly, because she was frustrated that her kids who went to public school were not able to go to school. But meanwhile, her colleagues were sending people to private school and even the people, they could not understand, they could not see the hypocrisy. They're like, Jennifer, just please stop tweeting these things. But your kid's going to private school. You don't care. But it was something interesting she mentioned to me is that a lot of times there's this silent majority. And I think that happens for us all, right? Like there's a silent majority that actually agree with what you're doing. But only very few will take the stand. Only very few will actually do what you do, even though they agree with you. There's, but we don't feel it because there's a vocal minority 
that's being very vocal. But the silent majority is there. Imagine if just some more of those people, that, that silent majority just rose up and, and said, hey, we're going to do this. And so again, it goes back to the power of really coming together. There's a famous quote I like that I just actually happened to post today. I think it's from Her- Heracles. I can't pronounce his name. He's, a, I believe, a Greek um, historian. And he said, a hundred men go to war. 80 of them are just targets. Nine of them fight bravely. But ah, only one, only one is really a true warrior. And I think that's kind of what I see right now. Hopefully I did my math right, by the way. But I, I really think that's the essence of it. Like if you think about that, just that quote in terms of just in life in general, there's really only in the pack of a hundred of us, there's really only one warrior. And uh, it's something that we don't really think about, but it, it really takes a special someone like even just yourself taking that stand. It, it's only really that one out of a hundred. And I thought that, I think that's fascinating. Yeah, that's that's and and this applies to not just, you know, what's happening in the last three years, but just in general. Like if you see something that's unethical and you, you feel like it's wrong, don't just think it, you know, take action, say something, do something. I think it's very important. The more we do that, the better a society we're gonna we're gonna be. So, you know, that happened. And I know that when we did our last conversation, we couldn't even talk about any of that because you were like still a police officer and there was a lot of stigma around being a police officer and a lot of negativity around that. That's kind of shifted, uh, although there's it's still there. And now, you know, fast forward, we'll talk about your new book in a second, but you've been on Fox News, you've been on all these news stations sharing your story because it's a very polarizing, interesting, like just a fascinating story. How has that been, you know, going on these news stations sharing your stories? What are the pros and cons of it? It's been really kind of surreal because I've been living this life for like over a year and a half, having been fired and, you know, nobody wanted to cover the story. In the beginning, I was like, please, media, I was looking out. I'm like, is there anybody that will cover this story? What is happening is criminal. And that was my problem. And you talk about the exemption stuff. There, there were some criminal things done by the SF uh, Police Department. I mean, they, they really, they, there were documents that were forged. They were just lies. When you look at the law of what Title VII says for religious exemption, there were a lot of things just broken there. And I can tell you from that standpoint, they broke some laws. And it really frustrated me that at the time, nobody wanted to cover it. And so here I am now, a year and a half later, kind of not really thinking about it. Like, I don't think anybody wanted to cover it. But some Fox News editor had reached out, was looking for someone to talk about just masks and some other issues going on. And I reached out. I said, I can speak on that. And she started hearing my story and said, whoa, you've got a whole nother story here. Let's let's go with that. I said, sure, no problem. I mean, I didn't think anybody cared anymore. And I'm glad I did. And the message there too is I would always tell people because they would go, how did you get on Fox News? You know, it's so funny. People reach out to me now. Can you get me on Fox News? And I'm like, no, (laughs) because listen, it didn't happen overnight. Like you missed the punchline already. It took me a year and a half. I never gave up for a year and a half. I kept reaching out. It kept hard work. It kept consistency. It kept me showing up on a regular basis. Most people would have given up after that time. And not only was it hard work, it was also a lot of luck and then synchronicity and just being there in the right place in the right time. And I got lucky, but it's been a really cool story. And I'm glad a lot of people have gotten something out of it. I've gotten a lot of good positive feedback from a lot of the police actually, and people reaching out to me from other organizations saying, Hey, we're with you. We stand by you. Thank you for speaking up. Thank you for, for doing your part. And I'll say one last thing. The interesting thing is everyone is talking about courage. Joel, you're so courageous. And what is, wow, what is it like to be courageous? I never thought about that as courage, honestly. Now, retrospectively, I can say that, but I really didn't think, I just thought I was really just aligning with my truth, Ben. 
I was just like, I'm not going to do this. It doesn't sit right with me because I could have easily forged a card and gone on with my regular life and made 200,000 and nothing would have changed. I could have done that. But what reminds me of this story is, and I'm reflecting back to Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks, I, I didn't know this about her, but I started looking at her story. And Rosa Parks, they actually, when you uncover the story, the bus driver said, the day that she stood up, she's actually, I shouldn't say stood up, she stood down. She didn't get up. So sit down to stand up is what she did. And the bus driver said, Rosa, you got to get off the bus. Now we know just by that very fact, he knew her name, which means he knew her. He had seen her multiple times already. This wasn't the first rodeo for Rosa, which means she's been on that bus multiple times and she did get up. But for whatever reason that day, she said, that's it. Enough is enough. I'm standing in my truth. I'm going to do what's right, not what's easy. That's what leaders are not doing today. All over the world, I see that. They're not doing what's right. They're doing what's easy. She stood up that day, and guess what? One person, Rosa Parks, one person started a movement. She changed laws, and she started uh, boycotts for a year in Alabama. I believe it was Alabama. That, that, that was a year worth of boycotts. And you just think, what an amazing story one person can do. So many of us are waiting for this big movement, this revolution, and we need so many Instagram followers. We need so many uh, fans or whatever. And you don't. It could just be you. You could be the catalyst for the movement. And I think so many are sitting and waiting for politicians, leaders, reverends, and other people to step up. No, you don't need to. And if you look at even Mal Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point, I think he says in order to start a movement, it's something like 17%. It's very, very small. And so I would just remind people, you know, stand up to sit down. There's going to be your moment. And if you think you missed your moment, you haven't because Rosa Parks probably missed her moment many times. And she, it, it took her one day that courage to say, I'm aligning with my truth and nothing vibrates faster than the truth. Well said, bro. I love that story. Rosa Parks, the warrior, and in in that example that you gave the quote. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality, are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part, this may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed. Their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance Natasha loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer 
delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but Wild Pasture meats are better for you nutritionally, and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today, for keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal, and I hope you take advantage of it. So make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. For those who are not familiar with Joel's work, he's got a brand new book called Ignite. And if you are familiar with this book, with his work, you got his books right there. I love the cover, first of all. It's like this beautiful DNA transforming this uh, incredible, like vibrant human body. And Joel's a health coach. He understands nutrition. He understands biohacking. He understands like root cause health. The book starts off with mindset. And I love that it does that because that is like the foundation to any great change. It's taking responsibility, taking ownership, doing the inner sizing, the mental six pack, and then you could apply everything else. So mindset. Why did you start the book off with that? And what are the important principles in the book regarding mindset? Yeah, so good. You and I, I, I love, I follow you all the time and I see all your Wayne Dyer quotes and you guys, you and I are just a brother from another mother. Yeah, so, you know, Ben, here's the truth of the matter is that you and I both know we're in a metabolic health crisis. We start during the pandemic. I think 70% of people going to the hospital had metabolic health issues. They were, you know, hospitalized. And that recent study that I put in the book, and I know you're already aware of it, only 6.8% of the Americans are deemed metabolically healthy. That's the, what, one of the latest studies, I think, from June or July of 2022. So we are in a crisis. And why wouldn't I just talk about exercising more and eating less? Because I would say out of 200 calls or even more that I was on doing health consultations with people last year and the last two years, when I asked them what their biggest challenge or barrier was, why are they not healthy? Why are they not losing weight? All of them, for the most part, would not tell me they needed to exercise more. They would not say, oh, Joel, I need to change my diet. They would tell me, Joel, I'm not consistent and I'm not committed. And I always tell them, that's a mindset problem. That has nothing to do with eating less and working out. Like, sure, those are great things and we can talk about that, but you got to fix the mindset first. And I'm thinking, actually speaking of Wayne Dyer, I'm thinking uh, there's this thing where he says commonly, like, stop trying to change like the outside world or whatever. You got to change yourself, the inner you. You got to change who you are in the inside first. Once you change that, then everything else changes. And so that's what it's all about. I mean, and you and I know this, we were just talking offline about consistency and commitment. And I just see it over and over again. It's the same habits, routines, broken patterns, and limiting beliefs. That's a big one. I see every client has limiting beliefs and emotional issues, typically, that is stymieing their, their growth. And if they can remove a lot of those blockages, they're going to succeed. They're going to do really well. One of my mentors, David Meltzer, says, like, 
the way he phrases it is like you have everything you need. The world is giving you everything you need. Just get out of its way. Stop interfering with it. You're creating the interference, not the way you think of it. Like, oh, I need to do this. I need to add all these things in. No, you don't. Just remove the interference. Get out of the way of the universe actually wanting to promote you. And that's the truth, man. So that's why I start with mindset first, vision, values. It's just so important. If you're not committed, you don't understand your North Star and what you want to do in life, you don't know where you're going. You don't have a GPS. And so when things get rocky, when the boat gets rocky and the waves are moving in the thunderstorm and you get tipped over, you're going to forget that North Star. You're going to forget where you're trying to go. And if you don't know where you're trying to go, you're going to be lost at sea. I love that. North Star, right? You're talking about finding a goal that's that you have fallen in love with, a worthy ideal. Most people don't have a North Star, to your point, and that's why they just go wherever and they blame other people and they are not consistent and not committed. And it reminds me of a quote from Robert Heinlein. Robert Heinlein said, in the absence of clearly defined goals, we become strangely loyal to performing daily trivia until ultimately we become enslaved by it. How accurate is that? Like daily trivia, alcohol, uh, addictions, food, because they're not clearly defined on their goals. So what do you think about that quote? And do you agree with it? I got chills, man, with you just saying it. Literally, literally I got chills just thinking about it. it. It's so true. And even on a higher level, I've been really, this whole process of me losing my job and going all in on my virtual health coaching business and doubling down on my podcast, this whole idea has really taught me one of the things I've really been getting into is this idea of surrender and just letting go and letting the unfolding of the universe happen. And I've been really getting into just higher consciousness thinking and metaphysics. And there's this idea really that, yeah, what you just said, like we think we're this body and we attribute all these things happening to us. And this is my body and, and all these bad things. Joel lost his job, for example, and this is so bad and it's so, it's so terrible. No, but None of that matters. When you really step out of it, I'm a spirit. Nothing's happening to me. I'm a spirit living in this flesh and nothing's happening to my spirit. Actually, it's perfect. It's fine. Nothing can happen to it. And uh, there's this famous Nisargadatta. You and I will just go back and forth, by the way, with quotes, but there's this this (laughs) Nisargadatta quote I I love. He says, in my world, nothing goes wrong. Mm. I like that world. I love that world. That's a world I want to be a part of. It's tough. I mean, believe me, I get triggered a lot, but I work on that constantly. It's, I'm constantly working on that because I want to come back to that, what you just said. And so when you're not clear on your path, you're not clear on your goals, yeah, you will wake up over and over again. And I coach a lot of people. And so we see that a lot and over and over again. You just see people, hey, you check in with them weekly. Hey, did you do this? Did you do that? No, I didn't do it. Well, of course you didn't do it because you weren't intentional. <laughs> you weren't intentional about it. And when you're not intentional, things don't happen. And I could just speak on, the last thing I'll say, I'll just speak on my own personal thing. Uh, I'll I'll get vulnerable here in a moment. But, you know, one of the things I'm working on, you know, people might look on the outside world and go, he has it all. He's just doing so well. That's not true. I'm always working on myself and trying to get better. And one of the things I'm working on is being a better dad, being a better parent, you know, through my experience in law enforcement, through my experience, the way I was raised, and as well as trying to be an entrepreneur, you got to hustle. There's a lot of hustle and bustle. And I know one of my biggest faults is not being present with my kids. And so I hired a parenting coach and I'm working to be a better dad. And so I'm being intentional about it is why I'm telling you. Like, because I wasn't, I wasn't intentional. And that area of my life being a good dad was suffering. And my wife was pointing it out every day. And I said, okay, I got to do something about it because I don't see my blind spots. My wife's my biggest life coach. And so I, I, you know, sometimes I don't like to hear it, but when I do start to listen, I go, okay, things need to change. And so when you're not intentional, and I'm only saying that because when you're not intentional, man, 
things don't happen, guys. You know, things don't happen. That's right. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that. I love that you're doing that and you hired a parenting coach. You're right. Sometimes when you're in the picture, you can't see the frame. So your wife sees the full picture and she tells you, hey, this is here. Pick up the ball here, Joel. You're slacking here. And, you know, you could hear that and ignore it or deny it, or you could take responsibility. And that's what it's about. When you take responsibility, then you're intentional and then you get committed and then you figure it out because all the resources and everything become available the moment that you commit. But if you're not committed, then you lack the resources or you feel like you lack the resources. But it's always there when you commit. Then the creativity follows. Then everything comes together. And you you mentioned the word luck earlier. I don't really believe in luck, Joel. I think it's more a law. It's like you you planted so many seeds, and you know eventually it's just like a matter of time. There's a season for sowing, a season for reaping. Luck is a word used to kind of talk about things that are happening in your favor. But you planted so many seeds, so it's more a law than it is luck. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you got me on that one. I <laughs> I was just trying to add some modesty to the fact that, it, it, you know, because again, like, how did that happen? People, you know, how did that happen? When, you know, the same thing, that whole phrase, being in the right place at the right time. Well, there were probably steps that led you there, right? There were probably things that got you there and got you off the couch and put you in that position. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a law. I And I'm big into those natural laws like you are. And so... I know yeah, you are. Man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So w- before we move on from the mindset part, because I could talk about, we could talk about this throughout the whole episode, right? It's so important. What is one takeaway from the book, the part about the mindset, the chapter about mindset that you could uh, share with the audience today that they could take action on? What's one principle? You know what? There's so many. And uh, to nail one down, I, I would say really what we were just talking about, right? The, the intentionality. Like, what are you intentional about? Ask yourself in your life, like, what are you committed to? Because you probably don't even know. You really don't even know. And if you're not sure where you want to go and what you're committed to, and you're not, you don't even know what your values are. I was talking about this on a podcast a while back, values. Because again, people always tell me like, I ask them, what are your top values? When I first meet with clients, what are your top values? And they go, oh, I don't know. And then they start, I'm like, oh, okay, give me some values. And then they go, okay, well, integrity, generosity. I mean, all amazing values, by the way. And I'm like, awesome, awesome. Uh, let me ask you this. Is health one of your values? And Ben, every single time I get this, <sighs> yeah, no, but it should be. They slunk their shoulders because they know and they realize. And I'm not saying maybe it's something to consider. Do you put health over your family? I don't know because... If you're not healthy, you ain't going to be there for the long run for them, right? And I love to bring up the, the, the story of Steve Jobs because he was a billionaire. He had all the money in the world, but he left our world early because of cancer. And everyone is out hustling and bustling for success and they want all these accolades and they want all these trophies. But none of it matters if you're dead, <laughs> if you're not healthy. And a healthy person has as many wishes as they want. An unhealthy person has only one and that's to be healthy. So... What are your values? That's what I would tell people. Inspect that. Look at that. See what that is and see where your priorities are. Because if they're not prioritized on health, how can you get healthy? How can you be committed to that? That's a major tip. I I hope everybody listening and watching takes action on that one tip right there. Find out what your values are. And if your daily behaviors are not aligned with those values, make the switch. I know for me, when I got really clear on my values, and the Greeks call it teleology, your telos, which is like your highest value that North Star that you mentioned. And everybody has a different highest value, right? Somebody could be 
a mother and their highest value is being the best mom for their children, which is a worthy thing to do, right? Somebody wants to be the best soccer coach, the best podcaster, the best author, whatever it is, but it's unique to you. But once you find it, and at least for me, I found out what it was for me. I love to teach and I love health and I love to educate myself, right? And a few other things, family, of course. But now that I know my values, I align my calendar with my highest values, meaning everything that's on my calendar gets done. And all the things on my calendar is aligned to my highest values. So I'm happier, I'm healthier, I'm producing, I'm uh, productive, I'm doing all the things I want to do because I'm clear on my values and my calendar is aligned with that. How do you do your calendar? Is it it's very similar? Do you um, align it with your highest values as well? Okay, so I don't think my calendar, that's something I am working on. But I will say this, and I tell this to everybody too, is that when they tell me I don't have enough time, I'm like, let me see your calendar. <laughs> because there's all, that is usually the biggest thing is you say you don't have enough time, but it's just, you, you do. Again, you, we, we talk about priorities. You're just not scheduling it. You're not scheduling it in. And so if you have to wake up an hour early or you have to move things around, there's always time. And again, most people's biggest barrier to exercise is not having enough time. But what if there's some strategies that I talk about in the book that even in 10 minutes a day, you could be exercising. And I'm really living proof of it. I have two kids, nine and five. And for, since my son was born nine years ago, uh, even past that, I, I had to come up with strategies to stay fit. I'm 41 years old and I had to come up with strategies. If you look at my calendar, I can't go to the gym. I can't do any of these things, but I somehow I get it in, even if it's just 10, 20 minutes a day. I don't work out super heavy like some of these, some of these guys, but that also reflects the shape I'm in. I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm in good shape, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a professional elite bodybuilder, but I'm healthy. And that's the key. If you look at my biomarkers, they're all good. So going back to what you said, yeah, uh, it is all in the schedule, my friend. I love that. Yeah, I want to talk about that because you, you, I heard you talk about that before in the book. You, you speak about that 10 to 20 minutes a day, but you know, every day being really intentional to use your word and consistent. Like your example here, like what do you do in 10 to 20 minutes? Because you look great. You're super fit. You're not a bodybuilder, but you look super fit and healthy. So what do you do in those 10 to 20 minutes? What's, what are some of the protocols in there? Yeah, the, uh, we, you and I have crossed paths with a lot of these people. So I'll, I'll throw out some names and some, uh, some great interviews that I've had that have educated me and books that I've read that have really schooled my level of thought. But one is Dr. John Jayquish, who's the founder of OsteoStrong and the X3 Bar. A lot of biohackers know. I've had him on my podcast several times. And he talks about weightlifting being a waste of time. I had another great interview with Dr. Sam Buckner out of the University of uh, Florida. I think it's university. He is in Florida, I can tell you that. He's an expert in hypertrophy and muscle building. And he's at the Muscle Lab in Florida. And we were talking and, and some of the same stuff. Uh, many of us, and I'm including myself, when I'm 18 years old, when I started bodybuilding, and not professionally, but just that was the style of workouts I was doing. I was going to the gym six days a week, 30 minutes of cardio, abs, everything that you were supposed, that I was told to do. And I was told from the beginning of time, you have to tear the muscle. You got to tear the muscle to regrow it. And... That's not true. The science actually doesn't show that. The science shows that you need to create a stimulus in enough to create a, a deficit so that the brain sees that there is a deficit. Oh, snap. If I'm doing curls, I'll just use curls as an example because you can see it if you're watching on video. But if I'm doing curls and I'm doing uh, either tons of reps or whatever I'm doing, maybe it's just a heavy load, I am triggering that stimulus from the brain and the body that there is a deficit and we need to create more nutrients. We need to create more muscle because if this human body wants to continue to thrive like this, it's not going to. We need to get stronger and create more muscle. So it's not tearing the muscle. It's creating the stimulus the body needs to recognize that it needs to build muscle. And how do you do that? Well, 
You could do it and lock the Dr. John Jayquish does, which is just one all-out set. And he does that one exercise, one all-out set, and then he rotates through exercises. And then every 48 hours, he, he goes back to that same lift. You could do that. And I'm talking to Dr. Sam Buckner. He said, yeah, I think one set is uh, efficient. However, he goes, I would recommend that your clients do two all-out sets. So, can you, so to, go ahead. So when you talk about, I, I want to clarify, because some people was like wondering, what is a set? So for example, like it's let's say it's a set of curls. Let's say you do a maximum set of like as many curls as you can. So let's say you get to 33, then you're done with that is what you're saying. And then you move on to a different body part, but you max it out is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. That's exactly what you would do. And then by doing that, and, and I've done this over the last nine years, this style of working out, by doing that, I'm because I'm actually not sore, within 48 hours, I can hit the same muscle group again and not feel sore and I'm not damaging anything. You know, a lot of us feel that lactic acid of some sort and we feel like we need that extra time to recover. Some of that soreness can be okay, but because I'm not sore, I'm able to hit the same body parts over and over again multiple times in a week. And Sam Buckner was on law and his research shows the same. He shows the same. The only difference, like he's, he added the caveat is, hey, Joel, I might have people do two sets instead of just one all out just to make sure that we did create that deficit. And having done that kind of style of working out, I can agree with Sam and I'll tell you why. Because it's really, really hard, I found, to go to all out failure every single time you show up to work out. It's actually hard mentally because you your brain gets just, you just trick yourself. You're like, yeah, I got to 30. Like, I'm tired. That's good enough. And so I understand for people that could be kind of challenging. So if, and we're all also kind of brainwashed to the three sets of 10. So when you get past 10 at reps, you're kind of mentally like, all right, I think I did enough. Do I have to really keep doing more? So, you know, I, I would definitely say probably for most people, two sets. But, you know, again, that style of, of training is really effective and time efficient. So how do you not have time in between podcasts or breaks to just go out and knock out a minute of as many push-ups as you can or whatever? We all have that time. Yeah, we do. So Dr. John, uh, he does three different exercises, three different sets of three different movements, so three different body parts. Is that what he does? Yeah, so his protocol is this. It's it may make it really simple because I know, and I know you know all this stuff too, being a former CrossFit uh, gym owner and, all, and just into health and fitness. He does a push day and a pull day. Like for example, on a push day, he would do squats, push press, uh, bench press, and then uh, tricep press down. Okay, so the, he'll do all pressing movements, and then the next day he'll do all pulling movements, deadlift, bend bend over rows, calf raises, uh, b- bicep curls. Right, so he'll do things a pulling day. And then just keep rotating the system. So push, pull, push, pull, push, pull, have one day off on a Sunday. Interesting. So with that sort of structure, it doesn't really matter if you have a lot of weights because if you're going to go to failure, you could go like to failure with like body weight squats, right? Whether you're doing weighted squats and you get to failure at like 32 reps or you do body weight, you get to failure at like 97. You're, it's, it's the same effect as what you're saying. It's the same effect. And matter of fact, Sam Buckner and his work, this is pretty crazy for people to think. He did an experiment doing a no load training to see if they could create the same deficit or the same effect. Could we build muscle without any load? Meaning, how do we do this? Flexing your bicep and just contracting it as hard as you can. And I can't remember how long they held that contraction for, but the studies showed that muscle grew just by doing this no-load training. So yeah, it's absolutely possible. Now, of course, we know you're probably going to get to a plateau doing that, but the point of the matter is it is possible. That's fascinating. 
Which is why, Ben, also like things like BFR training, right? You're, it's the same. It's actually the same mechanism, just differently. Everybody knows about blood flow restriction training. A lot of your listeners know. It's the same kind of mechanism. You're creating the, a deficit sooner by restricting the blood flow, the venous blood flow, the return flow back into the, um, the body. So the brain's freaking out. We're not getting any more blood. I know. Let's shoot more nutrients in there, more blood, and try to you know, get blood into that muscle. And so when you take the cuff off, boom. It just unloads. So there's different mechanism, but similar effects. Very interesting. Well, there you go. Like you could do that in 10 to 20 minutes and that is pretty effective as long as you're consistent with it. And you could do the push-pull days, you could do it whatever way you want. But the goal is to find, to maximize those sets. We always know like it's those, when you think like you're, you can't do any more reps, you usually have like three or five more left in you. And that's where you get the benefit. It's when you push beyond that. It's where you max yourself out. And then you're done with that body part, whether it's that uh, curl or that push up, whatever it is, you're done with that and you move on to something else. And the cool, cool thing about doing it that way, it prevents you from being overly sore so that you can work out the next day, is what you said, Joel. You, you don't have to worry about it. Because I know when I used to do CrossFit, it's like I used to beat myself up, man. I used to be sore for days and I'm like, damn, another wad. All right, just gonna you know mentally tough this out and like ugh, it was. I love CrossFit. I used to do it too, and it, it, it was fun. But yeah, I mean, some of the wads are just insane. It's, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. I was yeah. doing that with like strict keto in the beginning, strict keto, and a lot of fasting. Like I was burning myself out, right? So I got smart about it eventually. And nothing against CrossFit. It's just you know you don't do it every single day. Hey, keto camper. What if there was an easy way to help detoxify your body, ease stress, unwind? and hey, even burn more calories. What I'm talking about is sauna usage. Now, there's a lot of studies that show the benefits of using a sauna, and it could be kind of complicated because they're expensive, and typically you have to go to a facility to use a sauna. What I love about my sauna is that it's a blanket that I use at the comfort of my own home. I use the one from Bond Charge, and sauna blankets work by raising your heart rate to that of physical exercise, so you burn calories while you're relaxing. And you could burn up to 600 calories in one session. Sweating also helps flush out toxins like heavy metals from your body. And elevating your heart rate while relaxing releases endorphins, which can leave you feeling euphoric. I feel like I just got a 60-minute massage when I get out of this thing. It works by using infrared light, which heats the body directly rather than the air around you like a traditional sauna. This means you get the same benefits at a lower heat. You also don't need to have your head in the heat like a traditional sauna. It's very easy to use. You can enjoy a session of 30 to 45 minutes while relaxing, reading, watching TV, or meditating. It's easy to clean. It's low EMF, especially compared to other brands out there. Simple and easy to get set up. And even more important, you, Keto Camper, are offered a nice coupon code for Bond Charges products, including their infrared sauna blanket. So head over to bondcharge.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code ketocamp at checkout to get 15% off your order. We'll drop that link down below along with the coupon code in the podcast notes. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. Your book also has a, a section about sugar cravings and the relationship with neurotransmitters. Talk about that. What are some strategies and why does that happen? 
interesting. I had a I had the blessing of interviewing a couple people. Mark Schotzker wrote this book called End of Craving, which is a great book. All your listeners should just go out and read it. It's just it's a fun book. He also wrote the Dorito effect, which kind of ties in to both these ideas. The Dorito effect really goes into the idea that we are being bamboozled by big food and that they are using, I mean, the Dorito effect, the reason he calls it that is because in order to create a Dorito, they had to use all these different chemicals. And when he originally came up, I think the makers created the Dorito, it was too plain. And they were like, no, this will never sell. And they actually shelved it. But then later they modified some things and it tasted like a taco. It had taco flavoring, right? This, this is like the first time ever they were able to combine all these things and create this taco flavoring. And they said, ooh, this is a seller. So that first book of his talks all about essentially how the chemicals and how they have these flavoring experts and they use the flavor to trick our brains into eating and now we have this obesity crisis. So that's the first book. And then the second book, he talks about cravings specifically. Kind of, uh, It kind of takes off where the Dorito effect left off, which is really, really cool. The other person I got to interview was Dr. Anna Lemke, who talks about dopamine a lot. And these both tie hand in hand. So here's the interesting thing. When we have cravings, it, it it's being stimulated through the dopamine pathway. Most people think of dopamine as the reward pathway and, oh yeah, I really want something. And, and part of that's true, but really dopamine is this motivation. It's this get up and go. And what happens with people with cravings is the dopamine pathway is just being triggered. And it's like, come on, come on, come on. Uh, like, I, I really want, let's say a piece of chocolate. I really want this piece of chocolate. I gotta have it, I gotta have it. And one of the people that he interviewed for the book found out, and these were some studies done in Germany. And for and I'll, I'll use the example they give because it's a really good one. The, the woman was addicted to jelly beans. So she was like, I gotta have jelly beans. I gotta have jelly beans. And so the researcher said, well, I wanna try something with you. I want you to ha- take this piece of a chocolate praline and I want you to just sit with it and put it in your mouth and I want it to just melt in your mouth for like five minutes. I want you to almost think like your body heat is just melting the chocolate. So just really sit with it. Now, here's the interesting thing. She wasn't activating the dopamine pathway, believe it or not, maybe partially. She was actually activating the opioid pathway. It's a different pathway. Dopamine's wanting, opioid is liking. They're two separate pathways. So dopamine is you going for the craving. Like, I gotta have this craving. I'll do anything to get it. Once you get it, different pathway activates. This is the opioid path. This is the liking pathway. I'm eating the food right now. I'm enjoying it. Mm, All these senses are coming. So What she found though is if you can shower the body with this liking pathway, a different pathway, the opioid pathway, it can blunt the dopamine pathway. So the person found out after she sat with this piece of chocolate praline for five minutes, huh, I don't really feel like having a jelly bean anymore. I'm actually good. And so it's such a fascinating, and and then she's done it now multiple times and she's done it with chips and other things too. And it's just really a neat idea. It's like, wow, what if I could just, sit. And, and you know, you and I are big on mindfulness and presence. It also brings me back to presence, like that mindfulness of eating. And sometimes we're just so on the go and like, I got to have this, I'm going to eat this. And then you eat it and then you're already full, but you're eating other things you don't even realize, right? And all your listeners can try this, like sit with it. I don't know what their cravings would be, but I love this brand called Askinosi, which is a really high end, not high end, like, a, I mean, it's relatively... I don't know if it's expensive or not, but it's a high end in terms of their very their quality is very good is what I'm referring to. A single estate, organic. They they're really big about feeding the farmers and that kind of stuff. Um, regenerative ag- agriculture and Askinosi, and so they have these really nice itty bitty chocolate bars that I love. 
And so a lot of times I'll have one just after dinner. It's a small bar, so it's just perfect. It fits. I mean, I don't, I don't, I never overindulge. I never have multiple. I just have one. And it's a nice way your listeners could could experiment. Like, let me just have this piece of chocolate. And I've experimented with that too. And really, over and over again, that dopamine pathway subsides. That's interesting. I'm looking up this Askinosi. I've never heard of it, but it looks, I'm putting it as a thing to get. Yeah. Um, that is interesting. You know, so the opioid, it's hard to say yeah. that word for some reason. <laughs> opioid. Am I saying it right? Yeah, I think, you, I, think you, I think Dr. John Zen Mist uh, got you slurring words. <laughs> Damn yeah. it, Dr. Yeah, John. Dr. John. Opio, opioid Opio, yeah. pathway is the liking pathway. The dopamine is more of the desire. And when you slow things down and you're more present and you're enjoying the food, you activate more of the opioid pathway, the more liking pathway, and less of the cravings. So future days or whatever, like future experiences, you're not going to be as dopamine seeking, which is very interesting because a lot of people, as you mentioned, are on the go. They're, They're rushing through their day. They're eating mindlessly. They're stress eating. And that's why they're getting this dopamine, dopamine, dopamine hit. They just want more and more and more. But when you slow things down, maybe practice some vitamin G, some gratitude, and be present, you're able to actually overcome that. Yeah. And I mean, this researcher doesn't talk about presence, but I'm adding that into it because I think it's just so interesting. When you are mindful, you do slow things down. Now, all your listeners need to do is activate that liking pathway, but you got to shower the body with it. The way they she did that was by really just like melting the chocolate over and over, like swirling it in her mouth for five minutes, not just throwing chocolate down your mouth. Because if you do that, you're just going to have another one. But I think by doing that too, you're also, you are bringing presence back into your life. You are slowing things down. So it's very powerful. That was the connection. It's powerful either way. Do it. It's powerful. Yeah. So I would imagine that's probably hard to keep a chocolate praline in your mouth for five minutes without swallowing it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Interesting. So uh, End of Cravings and Dorito Effect, go check out those books if you're interested more in this topic. I mean, go get Ignite. Ignite has a chapter about that first and foremost. You also talk about the importance of um, detox, which is something I talk about a lot. You probably get similar comments on social media when you talk about detox. Oh, why do I need to do that? I have a liver for that. Yeah, that is true. But you know, how congested is your liver? Like your detox pathways need to be open to function. And we're so we live in the most toxic world than ever before. I mean, what's happening in New York City right now? Do you see what's happening in New York with the the smoke coming over, the pollution from Canada? It's like those people really need to focus on detox after that smoke is cleared. So why did you include this as a chapter in your book about detox and opening up downstream detox pathways? Man, I've seen so much great success when people detox. And detox gets a bad word and a bad rap too. And listen, I know there's some really smart guys out there like BioLane Norton who will poo-poo on this idea. And that's fine. And I, and I understand where he comes from. He's a very smart guy. But listen, I'm all about results. And if it doesn't work, then I'm not going to tell people about it. And I see good results from this because, and I mentioned in my book, in the EPA, if you go to the Environmental Protection Agency's website, it'll actually tell you, they tell you this, guys, in per, in per flat out, you're being bombarded by 86,000 man-made toxins every year. That number's increased because I think in 2012, when I looked at it, it was 77,000. So it's just going up and up and up. Um, the parabens, the plastics, all of that, Talk to Shauna Swan talks about a countdown in, in her book. She talks about the bombardment of uh, why men are infertile. They need t- TRT in their 30s and why women are infertile and on IVF therapy. All these plastics and chemicals and all of this. And like you mentioned, yes, the liver does filter these things out. But at some point, your liver is bombarded and it can't keep up. So what does it do 
I know you talk about this. What does it do? The liver is like, listen, I'm being overloaded. I don't know what to do with this. I'm just going to take these toxins and I'm going to shuttle them into our, your fat cells because believe it or not, I'm actually a pretty smart body. And I know I can't put these toxins in your heart and I can't put them in your brain because you're going to die. So I'll throw them in your fat cells and at some point we'll figure out what to deal with this, hopefully. And so what happens is that's what you have. You have this toxic water weight. I think a lot of people are not living in this world of they need to exercise more and eat less. They're not suffering from that. They really are suffering from this toxic water weight and this inflammation. I have a lot of people that are inflamed. They're 300 pounds and they're like my height, 5'7". They shouldn't be that way. And if I ask this person to go go do CrossFit, they can't. They can't even walk for uh, 30 minutes. So we've got to bring down the inflammation. And one of the most successful things I've seen is by opening those drainage and liver pathways, those detox pathways, we start to open that up and they can drain properly and their liver's working better because it's being supported. Then it can start removing those toxins from those fat cells. And if you don't remove, if you just work out really hard and fast and do all these things, you know this, a lot of those toxins will come, they'll get released from the fat cells, go into the bloodstream, and your your clients are going to have a Herxheimer reaction, which is essentially they're just going to have a reaction from the toxins. They're going to feel like crap from the toxins going in the bloodstream. So one of the ways we can do that is just by supporting the liver with some of these phase one, phase two detox pathways that the liver it has the, the, your, the body is, is genius and knows how to do this, but it just needs a little support. And then the last thing I want to say is, and I mentioned this at the top of this, is that detox gets a bad rap because a lot of people are like, yeah, 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 I've done that before. No, you haven't. I promise you, you haven't. You've done detox teas that don't work. I mean, they help, but they're not stimulating phase two detox of the liver, guys. They're not removing these fat-soluble toxins from your body. That's a different step. So you're doing detox teas and you're doing green juices. Those are all great and beautiful, but they're not a detox. That's a juice cleanse. That's a different word. It's not a detox. So people have to kind of shift their mind. Oh, okay. It's a, just a, it's a shift of the words because of what our culture has talked about detoxes. So people just need to understand that. And again, when you remove the toxic water weight, when you improve, improve drainage, amazing things happen. Can I tell you a quick story too? Just real quick. Yeah, yeah. Had a client who saw me on a recent podcast that I was on, and he came to me, and he actually was, by the way, he was hurt from the, the product. And I said, man, I'll, I'll coach you for free. I just want to help you, man. And um, he had a little bit of toxic, like I could tell, the belly flab in the, in the center, right? He had a little of that toxic flab. And he said, I gained it from, you know, being locked down, all this stuff. I said, okay, no problem. Here's another interesting thing though. he told me. I want to tell your listeners. I said, how's your sleep? He said, Joel, I wake up every night between one and three. I said, ah, interesting. For those of you that are listening that don't know, one and three is very, that's a key time if you're waking up at that time because that typically, especially with Eastern medicine, that means you've got some liver, gallbladder, kidney, something to do with those drainage systems. I said, hmm, interesting. I said, I'm, let's do a quick seven-day detox and let's, let's, let's help you improve. He does the detox. He loses like six pounds. Then once it settles, he loses, he gains like two pounds. So like a total of four pounds feels great. Energy's through the roof. Lost a little bit of flab. He didn't have a lot to lose. Just wanted to lose that flab. And he tells me, I didn't even ask him. He goes, I'm sleeping through the night, Joel. I don't wake up anymore. That was so simple. It was a seven-day detox. That's it. I love hearing stories like that. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. I'm about results, man. If it wasn't working, I wouldn't tell people to do it. This isn't about weight loss. You and I know this. We preach this from our hearts. We love this. This isn't about weight loss. This is about getting you healthy. And when you're healthy, a healthy body can't be overweight. That's right. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah, it's such an important topic because we live in a toxic world. We really do. Most toxic world than ever before. And it's not getting better. It's 
getting worse. And the innate intelligence, like you said, it's going to put those toxins into your fat cells because the solution to pollution is dilution. It'll dilute them. <laughs> Love and, that. And when you start dump, burning fat and dumping these toxins, your innate intelligence re- remembers every time we burn fat, we have to reabsorb these toxins that are harmful. So I'm going to stop burning fat, enter weight loss resistance, right? It's like, so when you take these toxins and shuttle them to the liver and the gut, and you know they have this amazing process out the colon, sweating, et cetera, then the innate intelligence could relax and okay, oh, it's ramp up fat burning again. And your, to your point with like the liver time being one to 3 a.m. in the morning, like that is a key time where that liver is just dumping bile. And if it's toxic, like it'll create a cortisol response and wake you up, right? So you support the liver, you do detox and it fixes your sleep, right? So I love that you put that in the book. I think it's important. Call it whatever you want to call it. I know you said this before. Call it like woo-woo. Call it BS. But if it works, who cares what you want to call it because it works. That's the bottom line. And the book has a lot more in it. We just gave you a few things that I wanted to talk about on, on the conversation. Where's the best place for the keto campers to get your book, Joel? Amazon. Amazon right now. Go to Amazon, type in Joel Levin, Ignite, and it should pop up. It should pop up there. We'll put it down below. And and your website's joelevancoaching.com. Uh, your podcast used to be called The Hacked Life. If you were uh, a subscriber, now it's called The Joel Evan Show. And you have over 200 episodes. I saw. Congrats, man. I remember when you first, you know, first 20 or first 30 or whatever it was. And I, I don't know what the stats are, but I think mo- like 80% plus... You might know the stats. 80% plus the people who started podcasts don't even get past like episode 10. Uh, and you're over 200. Commitment, right? Big difference between yeah. being interested in having a podcast and being committed. So I acknowledge you for that, dude. Anywhere else you want them to go check you out? No, you can... Those are two great places to find me. Connect with me on Instagram, Joel Evan Coaching on Instagram, as long as I'm there until they ban me. But you never know how long that'll last. But uh, I am there and it's really me. And if you come out, reach out to me. I love to help people and we can connect there too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Instagram is has been throttling me since January. Yeah. And so on that note, I would say go there and connect with me, but uh, get on my email list. It's something I've ignored for a while, but I know it's really important. And and that'll be the last place that I can at least connect with people and get them information. So subscribe to the email list and that'll be a good good way for me to reach out to you. Yeah. And you can get on that uh, on his website, joelevancoaching.com. We'll put it in the notes. Final question. Vitamin G. You are a big believer in this supplement. I see you take it every day. I saw your Instagram story today about it. Thank you for that. And you have, you know, you gave me a t-shirt that says gratitude and I wear it all the time, by the way. Thank you for the shirt. So you live the life of vitamin G, gratitude. So let me ask you right now, what are you grateful for, Joel? I change it every day. And so... Good. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. So, you know, when... And I'll just share because... I'm always looking for new things because my brain is always, all of our brains are haywired to look for what's not good. And so, you know, just the other day, I was like, what's good in my life? I've, I've got a lot of things I'm working on. And so I'm struggling with some stuff. And uh, I was like, man, I'm just so grateful that I, I, I've connected with this person who's helping with this press release and getting my, my name out there. So that was just an entry that I put yesterday. But, you know, for today, really, I'm honestly, I'm just grateful for human connection. I'm grateful for you and that we get to, you and I get to jam out and then I get to call you a friend because there's so many things that you have helped me with in very small ways. It, it might look on the outside, very small, like, oh, that's, he just did that big deal. You have no idea how much that means to me. So I'm really just truly from my bottom of my heart, grateful for you, brother. And um, just grateful that I get to call you a friend and um, that we're here jamming out 
on your podcast. And I got an excuse to talk to you for almost an hour because it's a podcast. So I'm grateful for you, brother. Thank you, bro. I'm also grateful for you. I remember how supportive you were when my book came out, Keto Flex, a couple years ago. I don't forget, you were posting videos on like TikTok holding the book. I remember you were on like a little yeah. car <laughs> yeah. with the music right. playing. And you, you know, I, I didn't forget. Yeah. Uh, so I'm grateful for all the support you gave me. And I love what you're doing. I, I encourage all the keto campers to go get Joel's book. It's, it's, it's easy to read. It has the science if you want that too, but it's easy to read. It makes a lot of sense. And you'll notice a difference if you just apply some of the principles. You can apply all of them. I recommend that. But if you just apply some of the principles, you're going to get results. So it's called Ignite on Amazon by Joel Evan. We'll put it down in the podcast notes. And me and Joel will do round three in the future. Joel, That's thank right. you, bro. I appreciate you. Thank you, brother. Love you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Joel. You can learn more about him over at joelevancoaching.com. His book is called Ignite. We'll put a link for it down below in the podcast notes. Go get it. Go read it. You're going to love the book. It's written really well. His podcast is called The Joel Evan Show. Go subscribe to it. If you want to watch the video format of today's interview and all interviews, that's on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash keto camp. Please consider leaving the show a rating and review. Go take my free toxicity quiz over at ToxicMiami.com. And lastly, if you found this episode valuable and you believe somebody in your life would find it valuable, share the episode with a friend, copy and paste it into a text message. Let's spread the word. Have an incredible day. I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.